Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. I need a favor from each and every one of you. I was thinking about this yesterday a little bit when Jonas Bazito was having a conversation about her. Uh, you know, her background in journalism and following City Hall. And today she was talking about being in New York while she was talking to Chris Bury. Yeah, I need, you know, you have to, I need you guys to make a commitment to tell five, to start with five of your friends that they should be listening to WCPT. Uh, in particular, uh, you know, when, whether it's Santita Jackson and her background uh, and her father's history, you know, Re- Reverend Jesse Jackson, of course, Stephanie Miller, Tom Hartman, but our locals, our local stories, Jonas Bezito, just such a remarkable stories. And, uh, and, and again, you know, talking about uh, what, uh, people in Iowa were what was on their mind during the primaries last last week. You know, we talked to a few of the journalism students that Chris Beery had brought out there. And remember, the two big things were immigration and the economy, right? The the inflation had gone up. And I I want you guys to because the other side of the story of immigration, I feel, is not getting out there. And they're running all these ads about invaders and taking over our country and poisoning the blood of Americans. I wish we could run an ad that showed, uh, you know, someone eating a nutritious meal and you go and you kind of pull back and you see someone picking the lettuce and the vegetables that go into that meal. And maybe somebody who is elderly and their hand is being held and you pull back and it's a migrant who has is a caregiver, uh, you know, people who are in childcare. So many of the jobs that make our lives as comfortable as possible is from the work of migrants uh, and, and from people who are not making enough money. And a lot of those jobs, uh, you know, can't be filled right now because because of the way the process is working judicially along the border. Uh, of course, there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of NIMBY. And, you know, the interview that Joan just did about how it is so overwhelming in Texas to provide resources for people who are coming across the border. It, it should be a shared burden and support from all of us uh, because it does improve our our country. It simply does. So that was on my mind as I was coming in and listening to that conversation. Uh, and here, Jim in Chicago, I got a couple minutes for phone calls because we have a great show ahead of us. It always includes your conversations. And coming up in just a few moments, we are going to talk to uh, our friend Iris Martinez, the uh, hold on a second. I got a, the the clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County. She'll be in studio with us, and we're also going to talk to later on Dan Schaefer. Going to go over a few things Wisconsin. Uh, you know, we, we won't tease him too much about the Packers. We want to find out about the remapping. And comedian Tim Walco will join us in studio. So let's talk first. Let's go to Steve in the Gold Coast. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind, my friend? Uh, yes, and I wanted to say I, I do echo in large part what you're saying with regard to immigration. Um, people need to understand that uh, part of the reason that we're still so vibrant an economy and a society is because we have uh, much more uh, of an open-ended uh, immigration policy. We take in a great deal of people because developed societies tend to have lower rates of reproduction, and and you have to have X amount of new people coming in in order just to sustain the existing population. And this is the problem with regard to Japan. Oh, we lost. Oh, I did not hang up on Steve. <laughs> Steve, we lost you there. Let's go to Jim in Chicago. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? 
Hi, Perry. Adolescents working at fourteen and fifteen. Oh, I, I, I the governor, the governor of Iowa said you can ten bar at sixteen. You can work at fourteen. I saw a horrible program where they had roofers. One of the most dangerous jobs. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have an experienced person on the roof with you. Fourteen and fifteen year old kids on a roof. Yep. What's going on? I mean, what happened to the child? Where's where's FEMA in this case? Uh, Well, and look, the uh, in Wisconsin, a teenager was killed at a sawmill in Iowa. A child was killed at a meatpacking plant. These are dangerous jobs. And and again, you know, when we do have migrants, their lives are in danger. But they are lowering the labor restrictions for child labor so that they don't because they don't want to. They're running out of people to fill those jobs. They want to restrict migrants. They want to put kids in danger. They want to force women to have babies so that we can have more labor. They've said that out loud. We, you know, we could, we could solve social security if women would just keep pumping out babies. <laughs> well, look at, look at the, look at the pandemic. I mean, they were going to sacrifice everybody's life for the, uh, for the for the goal and money, and they didn't give you. And this is another thing. I mean, this is record profits, Patty. Yeah, and they're putting kids to work at fourteen and fifteen. I mean, it's ridiculous. They don't want to pay anybody a decent wage. Yes. Remember that's what, their problem. Remember what the minimum yeah they don't wage? want to pay. You know the minimum wage in Iowa. Seven, I can't. I can't believe. I can't believe it. I can't believe they get seven dollars and twenty five cents. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It's just incredible. But that's I, why... You know what's funny, Jim? Yeah. In 1989, I earned more as a lifeguard with the city of Chicago than these ki- than people, than adults with families are earning in Iowa. In 1989. Well, it was a great uh, uh, announcement today. Sean Payne for, for Joe Biden saying that the... Uh, you know, the auto workers are going to blow for him. But think of, you now if you're going to union shop or you, my brother's a union electrician, if I brought a 15 year old kid or 14 year old kid around, he'd he think I lost my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. What are you doing with the kids? What are you doing with the kids here? You don't let anybody near anything dangerous when they're kids. Well, and, and, and on top of that, putting kids in, in adult situations. You know, where they, I mean, for people who are uh, standing outside of libraries wanting to ban books, yelling about drag queen shows, talking about grooming. Yeah, where, kids, where are they for these kids? Where are they for these kids? <laughs> I'm saying, Jim, but you put kids in adult situations, that's a grooming p- uh, potential right there. Right? You're putting them in. Yeah, adult- well, yeah, yeah. yeah dear goodness. I mean, well, I I get rid of the labor laws in the 30s. I mean, I don't know. What are we going back? We're going backwards with everything here. Yeah. But the record profits and uh, yep. these dangerous jobs. I mean, no kid, no kid. Listen, let a kid have his childhood. That's the most fun you're going to have. You know what I mean? When you get into the cruel world, you got work for a living, and that's another yep. story. But at least be young when you're young. You yep. know, Patty? Yeah, play anyway, baseball, play piano, go yeah, swimming. Yeah, have fun. Go to yeah, the fishing hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, have some fun. Anyway, yeah. thanks, Patty. Thanks. 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 Let's get to you. Uh, Steve, you wanted to finish your thought? I've got a minute for you. Go ahead. Uh, Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, we need to have a vibrant immigration in this country in order to sustain our economy. Now, the other side of that argument is there are as many as a billion people in the world that would love to come to the first world, including the United States. So it is somewhat unfair to people who are waiting in Africa, Eastern Europe, Asia, and other countries to say, well, these people are ahead of you. Okay, you got America can use them, but you know what? They could have used me as well, and I didn't get a chance to come there. So, you know, that's the other side of that argument. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Good point. Matt in Chicago. Matt, good to hear from you, my friend. What's going on? 
Hello, folks. We have, what, like 12 seconds, so I'll make this very quick. <laughs> You've got um, a minute people, as well. Go ahead. People, oh, delightful. Uh, people, for the love of Crikey, please, please vote. Please. Because he's going to be the candidate again. And I, 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 we, oh, screw it. I can't have him in that place again. I, it will, if he gets in there again, it will kill me. I, I, I cannot, I, he cannot become president again. So I am begging all of you to please vote. Please. And, and to please, not just vote. As I said before. Yeah, go ahead. But also, no. Po- I, as I said before on Sunday, oh, sorry. No, but as you said before on Sunday, I wasn't no. here on Sunday. But was it? Uh, as I said, no. As I said before on Sunday at the family meeting, they just got all the McDonald's wrappers out of the White House. Do not make the cleaning crew go through another four years with this bowl. Uh, don't, don't even get do me it. started on the smell, because <laughs> apparently it's a doozy. Matt, uh, yes. here's what I would say is I think that, well, one, yes, vote. Two, do as much as you can so that you don't leave anything on the field. Let's play this, you know, play the long game through through November, whether it's right, postcard writing, you know, text banking, phone banking, door knocking, just talking to, like I said, five people, tell them to listen to WCPT and tell them to be, because here we have calls to action. And also, you know, talk to them about making sure they vote. So they, it's like that hair, hair commercial, remember the shampoo? And they told two people and they told two people. <laughs> That one, no. Yeah, remembers that commercial. I'll, I'll one last thing. I'll be very quick with this. There's a guy that stands out in front of Daly Plaza on the corner of Clark and Washington every single day with a vote Trump and Biden is a criminal sign. I'm not going to say what the sign says about Biden, but it basically comes down to Biden is a criminal. Everybody, if you see this man, please go out there and stand out there with a sign that says Trump is a criminal. I plan on doing that every day, uh, every week, for at least an hour a day, just to piss this guy off. (laughs) We need to fight these people at every given opportunity because they are crazy. And if we let the crazy into the house, we're never going to get it out. He will be here forever. I think there's several different, look, there's a lot, it's not a monolithic group, right? Some people have fallen for it. They've been duped. Some people were angry and or scared of people of color. There's a lot of like racists. There are people who are greedy, people who want power. I mean, there's a lot of, but they just all are under the umbrella of Trump because he's kind of, he has, yeah, you're right though. Actually, he left the crazy loose. I got to run, Matt. Thank you. Do all, do, love bye. you all. Talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> do everything you can. I think Matt was going to say. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk to a clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County. Iris Martinez will join us in studio on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you for joining us as we drive it home. I'm your host, Patty Vasquez, and I'm thrilled to welcome to studio the clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County, Iris Martinez, joins us in studio. Hello, Madam Clerk. How are you doing? Well, Patty, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited being here just to have conversations with you. I me too. I, I haven't seen you in a while. We've been so busy, and we're heading into a very busy year. I, I, I know that people, you know, they're, everyone's up and, you know, and, and they're energized by the presidential race. We do have a primary coming. 
coming up. And uh, there's a lot of names on the ballot that are down ballot. We call them down ballot uh, categories, I guess, or races. Mm-hmm. So let's start with introducing you, the clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County. And, and uh, first of all, the way I start almost every conversation, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Humboldt Park. You did? A very proud, proud resident of Humboldt Park. Uh, very, very young. We moved into a neighborhood, I think, back in the early 60s. And I went to all public school. I went to Yates. Yates School, okay. and then I went over to uh, Roberto. I mean, to Tuli, which converted into Roberto Clemente. So I graduated from Roberto Clemente High School, which is the very first Latino school that we ever had. Yeah, named after you know, and 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 the heart of Humble Park. So it's such a great community, and has changed so much over the years. When you were a kid, what you know, we're, we were just talking about labor laws in other co- parts of the country. Uh, I was a lifeguard uh, for Chicago Park District, uh, actually with someone from your detail. Uh, yeah, I, Louie and I were both lifeguards at North Avenue. What kind of things did you do? Like you. You know, we were also talking about like our childhoods. We got to be kids in Chicago, but still with a little bit of toughness, right? Right. Well, you can imagine. I actually grew up across the street from Humble Park. Oh, that, that, that I was. You talk about the heart. That's a gem. Of, that's a gem, exactly. And I remember that my mother, every year, probably when it was the Puerto Rican, you know, festival and everything else, she would walk across the street and get herself a T-shirt and buy all of us T-shirts. And oh. as young kids, we were make. She made sure that we were out there, you know. Understanding the culture, participating in the, you know, in what our roots are, you know. And yeah. I can tell you one thing. I always tell people, you could have taken me in Humble Park, but you can't take the Humble Park out of me. Mm. I, again, when I have to get down and dirty and fight, I will fight, you know, again. But again, knowing that I grew up in a neighborhood and people think not too many things, not, not possible things come out of neighborhood, out of the neighborhood. I look at people like Miguel Del Valle. Uh, Billy Ocasio. Those are people that all grew up in the neighborhood, and they came out to be great leaders in our communities. You know, so again, you know, good things come out of Humble Park. You know, and and more from Roberto Clemente High School is what I always say. And it is such a thriving community. And I, like I know so many artists. Uh, Melissa Dupre is a good friend of mine. Who I don't know if you're familiar with her. I just put yes. you two together. She's Dupre. yeah, you yeah, know her. Dupre's. Yes, I do. Oh, she's so great. Uh, and I, 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 it is those communities that make up this city, right? We're very diverse, and yet, you know, we you have like the Puerto Rican neighborhood. You have, you know, you have communities that are more German, Italian, absolutely, you know, Korean areas. But at the at the end of the day, you know, you don't mess with Chicagoans. <laughs> no. And when I moved into the neighborhood, my my best friend became a German girl across the street. Now. The racism of we're Latinos, because we were the only Latino family living on that block. Then yeah. my how dare us buy a house, you know, in that in sure. that area, and it was and it was all Germans and Ukrainians. But then the young, the, my brothers, my siblings, you know, when you when you move in, then your 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 cousins start moving in. Everybody starts moving in. Before you yeah. know it, people there was more more our whole entire family, four or five of us were all living on the same block. And so again, and the young kids. You know, we really made friends with the kids, with the, you know, with the white kids that live there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we became best of friends. And I think that's where, again, you really got to know that people integrated, that we can integrate any neighborhood and, and, and be welcome if we just land, the, you know, a, hey, how are you? We are, you know, the Martinez's. We live right here. You sure. know? And, and, and to me, I, you know, my best friends were all these kids that I never knew because I, you know, I, I've always lived in these segregated areas. Like when I when first grew up, I grew up in the Italian neighborhood. Grand and Grand and Huron, right there, the heart of the town neighborhood. Then we moved over to Humble Park. Right, right. So again, you know, to me is is uh, you know, I, I always say that I always hold, I hold special memories about that, and they inform informally who I am today, who I am today. And and when you graduated from high school, where, what, what were you setting out to do? What was uh, what was your aspirations? Yeah. 
I started, you know, working with my, I used to go with my father to, my father used to work for the Urban Progress Center, which I didn't know at the time was Department of Human Services because, you know, it had so many name changes. So he would, in the summer program, he would make sure that I was only 13 or 14 I, and I participated in the Richard J. Daly a youth program. That's how I got started in there. And so my father, because, you know, he was very involved in the community, would, you know, would, would take me around passing out literature, you know, things that we still do today. But back then, you know, I mean, I would never have thought that here something that really caught my interest is, is, is you know, getting to another community, finding what their needs are, whether it's jobs, whether it's housing. It was all part of who, you know, who I was. And my father made me see that, you know, there is... There is a place for everyone. My family are all RNs. They're all nurses. I always said I'm the black sheep of the family. Really? I was a community activist. I was very involved because I learned early on about many making sure that I was help you know lending a helping hand, getting people into the system, especially the you know the, the Spanish speaking, the, you know the Puerto Ricans. I grew up in a Puerto Rican neighborhood, making sure that they were getting access to the resources that they were not aware of, and that to me I think formulated who I was. Now I went to college, you know uh, I went to UIC that I went over to Northeastern and then I had to drop out of school because then my mother passed away. Oh. So then, you know, you know, then I got married and then I moved out to a suburb and then, I, you know, after I got divorced, I moved back, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I don't see you as a suburban girl. Uh, no, believe me, I needed the noise. I needed to hear the fire, you know, the fire yeah. engines, the police. I, oh mean, I needed, it was like, I was like, when I first moved, I thought it was in a cemetery. I mean, it was like, you're used to hearing yeah. it. But I moved back, you know, and then I raised my daughter. I, my, I was only, my daughter was only two years old when I got divorced and, you know, and I raised my daughter in the neighborhood. I raised my daughter in Humble Park. And, you know, and then, of course, trying to find affordable housing, you know, for my daughter and me, you know, affordable daycare. And I think that is what who made me, you know, really go out there and be, you know, I never thought of running for public office, but, you know, the opportunity came up when I worked for the city of Chicago because I got a job with the city of Chicago, again, doing work with the ministers, doing, you know, do, do other work, community work, community work. I got sent to Springfield uh, in 2000 by uh, Richard um, Daly because I was working for, for the Daly administration at the time. And I went to uh, and I and I went to Springfield and in Springfield that's where I really met Miguel Del Valle. He was a senator, and I remember sitting in the you know in in the in the, uh, in the General Assembly gallery looking down. There wasn't people that looked like us, you know Miguel, of course, but there was no woman that looked like me. Yeah. A lot of empty seats on the Democratic side because at that time the, the the Republicans were in control of the Senate. So in 2002 and 2000 when the when the redistricting happened, Miguel de Valle says, "Harris, where do you live?" And I said, "Oh, I live on so and so." He goes, "You know, there's a new that's going to be a new seat that's going to open up because the influx of Latinos that have moved, you know, from the right. lakefront and were moving into Bucktown, moving into you know Bucktown and and Wicker Park, and then moving into Humble Park. So and and then even going further into Logan Square. That's where I live. So that flux of, inf of of Latinos created a seat, both a Senate seat and a House seat. And so, you know, Miguel says to me, Iris, you know, I think you should run. I go, no, no, Miguel, I'm, I'm, I'm a behind the scene kind of girl. You know, let me just do this. Then he said, no, 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 no. You, you know, you, you walk the streets because you've walked the walk of life. You've, you're a single mom who's been out there struggling to find affordable housing, affordable daycare, after school programs. Those are all things that, you know, that are important to the everyday person that lives in our neighborhood. And sure enough, he convinced me to run. 
I not, I went and knocked on these doors. Now, I never had done this. I mean, I did it for the mayor. I did it for other candidates, you know, because we were part of the mayor's team to go out there and help whoever the mayor wanted us to help. And, you know, I found myself being the one to go out there and knocking on doors. The minute that a woman, if it was a woman that opened that door, I had that vote because they related. Every woman related to affordable housing, looking for affordable, uh, you know, affordable daycare, all these, all these needs that many of us struggle with, in, especially in in our neighborhoods, and and that I surrounded myself with, and, and then women started saying, "I want to be part of your campaign." A hundred women, you know, may surrounded me, and these hundred women gave me their hundred dollars for for me to open up my very first political campaign. Really, uh, and I and I won the Senate seat, and you know, and and you know, twenty years for twenty years I was a senator, almost twenty years, and now you know, then I you know saw an opportunity uh, because of the fact of what I did as a senator, hearing so many, especially women coming into the Senate office talking about they couldn't get their child support checks. At the time, you know, things like that. When the office did have child support, you know, the, the collection of child support for the paperwork, so right. it was amazing to see that there were so many women that related to me, and that that took I took that and made sure that now I got to Springfield that I was an advocate, strong advocate for all of those housing. You know, uh, 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 daycare, after school programs, because many of us know that it, you know we don't get out of work at two o'clock. Our right. kids got to school at 2 o'clock. Where was I going? I had to actually take lunch at 2 o'clock so I can go pick up my daughter in school, take her over to the YMCA. Right. And then come, mm-hmm. head back to downtown to go back to work to make it back by 3, 3.30 so I can finish out the day. And then, of course, because the YMCA and then had a rush out of there before six o'clock to make sure that my kid wasn't locked up, you know, in the in the YMCA. Right, right. After they shut off the lights. Last kid left. I know. I, I, I remember being that kid. I remember my kid being that kid, like in the lunchroom at the we did. You, we had the Catholic school over here, St. Tarsus's. Yep. And so same thing. I'd be like, oh, God, I don't want him to be last. But, you know, right. some days some it days happens, just some days, happen. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's the plight of a single mom, you know, or, or a single parent. That is the plight, you know, is making sure that you're adjusting your schedule, your work schedule with your child's schedule. And making sure that they have a safe place, you know, to be at while you're still at work. You know what I mean? And that was something, you know, that it was it was tough. But here I am, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned that your service as a senator informed what you, you know, your decision to run for clerk of the, the circuit court of Cook County. I, yeah. I think I finally got out that title correct, yes? Yeah. <laughs> I always say Iris times five C's. Five C's. Know, five C's. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned that it informed your, your because decision. Because I heard, I heard the women coming in and said, you know, what are we going to do about this? You know, I can't get my child support, you know, the paperwork is being messed up. They're not, you know, they're, uh, they're losing my paperwork. I, w- I heard so many complaints about the about the clerk's office at the time. And so when I already had been thinking about retiring, I was, you know, oh. reaching my 20th year in the state Senate. I always said that if I reached my 20 years, I was going to get out and allow for the next younger person to come in and step in and continue the work, you know, or even enhance even the work that some of us, you know, still you know, have not done enough of. New eyes, right. Yeah, so, you know, because everybody comes in, you know, every generation comes in with a different thought. And to me, that was something that I wanted to make sure that, you know, that I would find someone that will fulfill that seed, you know, to make sure that they continue with the role of, of, of you know, of, of being out there providing, you know, the services. But more important is making sure that the dollars were going into the communities, in our community, where the dollars were mostly needed. And I said, well, you know, I'd take a chance. I'm in midterm. Let me run and see what happens. I ran. I won. You know, t- turn my seat over to somebody else, retire, and now today, you know, three years into the clerk's offices where I've been these last three years, again dealing with 
situations where now the court system, you know, a very important part of our lives, of yeah. everyone's life, because, you know, whether, whether you like it or not, people always fear, fear the, the court system. To me, is let's take that fear off. Let's make sure that we're making a court that is so user friendly that people can walk in and not feel that going in there and, you know, going into an office where you are in the heart of COVID. I, oh, I, took was, office, right. I took office December of 2020. So you can imagine walking into an office where, first of all, a lot of the clerks were out, you know, because of, you know, because of COVID. Nobody. So try to, to try to reorganize an office where you didn't know people where the bodies were, where people were at, you know, and, and, and really surrounding myself with people that really understood county. Now, look, at I work, I work for the city. I work for the state. I've never had work for the county, but I went out and looked for the people, for all the best of the best that the county, the fo- county folks, the experiences, so I can bring them to the office and help me, you know, create an office that was, you know, again, uh, an office that needed transparency and, and openness to the, to the public and making sure that everything that we're doing is user friendly because it's, it's an office that has a lot of technology. Our court system is all technology. It, it's some, it had to be just a, uh, a chaos going into the pandemic. We are talking to the clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County, Iris Martinez. Uh, Madam Clerk is going to continue our conversation with us in just a moment. Uh, that was not her phone. That was my phone, just in case anyone was wondering. Uh, whenever I see restricted on my phone, it makes me nervous for a second. I'm like, restricted. Uh, let's take a break here and continue in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. By the way, if you're wondering where else you can listen, you can listen on your TuneIn app for free. You can also go to heartlandsignal.com in case your signals sometimes when it gets dark, it gets a little bit fuzzier, and I want to make sure they can hear our conversation. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are in studio with the clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County, Iris Martinez. She was sworn in uh, in December of 2020, at the really in the middle of the pandemic. And I can't even imagine because a lot of obviously courts were on Zoom and uh, people were being processed that way and trying to go through their cases. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, coming in and what you what you encountered in that office, what you tried to streamline. And uh, we'll talk about some other issues as well. Right now, I think that technology was always the biggest question. As you know, uh, my predecessor, the, the rollouts, you know, were always disastrous. And that's something that we wanted to make sure that we attack right away. We talk about rolling out, you know, online, like say chancery, you know, civil, all these different areas of law. Right today, I can tell you, when I came in, there was only three areas that were online. Today, I can tell you that we are completely online, adding traffic, which is the very, you know, one of the very big biggest, yeah, you know. And, and remember, we had to do the conversion from the old system into the new system. We had to convert old cases. I mean, you're talking about millions of cases into a new system without. You know, praying that nothing sure. went wrong because you're talking about cases. You know, it doesn't matter how old they have to be in the system. And it was amazing to see that we were able to do that. You know, we took our time. We had the very best of the best. You know, uh, in technologies, technologists in that office. I hired, the, like I said, I hired, and we even did even more assessments because we wanted to make sure that we can bring in even brighter individuals that really understood the technology that we needed to capture, so we can be, you know, completely, completely online in all different areas of of our office. And we were able to do that. The, our website, 
two, I think like a few months after we got there, our website went down. It was actually, you know, it was it was hacked. But and but, it, but the good thing about it, it wasn't ransomware. It was a it, it took us to an NFL site. That had to be a guy who hacked that system. I, I gotta say that it had to be a, it had to be a man on that yeah, one. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. But it was interesting because that really made us go down and 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 really look at the software. And we saw all so much outdated software, so many outdated. The system had never been really brought up to the 21st century is what I say. We did that exactly that. Today, today we actually uh, had, uh, we launched the very last, which is now anyone that wants to see if they have any kind of, you know, case against them, let it be because of expungement, let it be a old warrant. People can actually do this now from the courtesy of their own and safety of their own home. All they got to go on is online research, I mean, the online search, and they will find they can put their name in or their birth date or whatever, and they can see for themselves if they have any outstanding warrants. What we found, what we found was about 12,000 outstanding warrants that were still in the system of over five years ago. We have been able to clear all that up. We also saw a backlog of over 5,500 5,500 uh, uh, applications for expungement that were never processed. Okay. We've been working on that, cleaning that up. We didn't even have an HR. We had, and then when we came in, we were under the federal monitor. There was a, you know, there was a lawsuit that had been filed against my predecessor because of the hiring practices. So we had a Shackman, Shackman, you know, came in, they sued. And guess what? The minute I walked in, I said, Let's work together. How do we make ourselves full and full compliance with the federal monitor? Within 18 months, I was dismissed of that lawsuit. And that has never happened by any of our, our agencies out there that has checkmen for years and years in their office. I came in 18 months after I was in. We were cleared. And that saved our Cook County taxpayers lots and lots of dollars because those billable hours, believe me, they were not the very best billable hours that I ever saw. But you know what? Again, it's about transparency. It's making sure that we were hiring. There's a hiring practice was the right way, and we got dismissed. And the, and the federal judge says, Clark Martinez, you need to take your show on the road. This is why we talk about a, a, an elected who is willing to work to make sure that we are doing the right thing and being transparent and making sure that we are hiring the correct way. And up to now, again, we have been and we and that time we hired about 200 individuals because we had about three to 400 vacancies. We had no really? clerks. We had no clerks. I mean, that other clerks never came back. Unfortunately, you know, with the COVID took a few of our clerks. But again, there was just, you know, there we just could not find people that could work because of the COVID. We were able to hire to today's day, three years into this office, I've hired over 528 new individuals, 450 of them being union employees. So we've been able, and, and, and one thing that we did, train and retrain, train and retrain, making sure that as you walk into our office, into our that person right there is the first, you know, the first person you're going to see. I want people to know that when you walk in, don't be afraid. We're going to treat you with all the respect, regardless of what you're coming in for and set you, you know, set you uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the path that you need to go. And, and, and today I can say that we have trained so many of the clerks and, and the new, I mean, a lot of the new people coming in. And we're making some great strides because right now when you look at our website, 
to know that our website has won awards for the best redesign because it's so user-friendly. And you know that people are very afraid of using a computer. I mean, when oh, you go sure. in. But if you go in and see that the, the, you know, the, 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 well, what we've done, the, all the resources that we've put into that website, it's unbelievable what you can find there. Well, they're also nervous about being involved in the court system in general. So yeah. you've got two layers there of, of concern. I do want to talk, I do want to address something in regards to employees because there was an article a few weeks ago uh, criticizing you for having employees circulating petitions and accusing you of pay to play. How do you, how do you do, how do you respond to let that, me, that? Let me article? respond by that because again, the sad thing about it is that we have my, my opponent is spoon feeding misinformation to a journalist who was so lazy that could not do the work and see exactly what they were doing. Now, do I have people that have been with me part of my political life for the past 20 and 30 years? Absolutely. Are some of them in, the, in that office today because of their expertise? Yes, they are. Have they been people that have been part of my mission? Yes, they are. And those are individuals that feel, you know, because I'm not I don't I'm not a big fundraiser. I hate to fundraise. I read everybody. I remember you telling me this when I was running. I I, I, I will hold you to that because it's part of it's part of running. Right. It's part of running. I I yell at any candidate that's not spending two hours of of call time. Yes. And I know exactly. I I prefer to have two hours of working with the public, of making sure that we're taking care of our constituents, making sure that we're taking care of them. But I know that's all part of it. But, you know, I've never had a big war chest. But those individuals, some of them that I brought, I've been friends of mine for life you know what i mean and they feel they feel they contribute to me i don't have a problem i don't mandate and i don't you know and i don't and i don't and i don't demand anyone to give me any money i have events they show up they're more than welcome to and that's what has happened but when you look at the fact that you're talking about maybe 40 employees compare for the 12 of 1400 that i have there i'm sorry how many out of 1400 1400 and how many out of those were contributing to your campaign or according working to according to what they found was 42 and that was over the course of three years again but they made but the way she wrote it was they were giving this money that yeah that you're again lying about but you know what it says that did you did you go and check to see what in the water wreck and how the pay to play there as far as the contracts and everything on there you know don't don't pick on me and, and attack me when you're not being fair on the other side either. You know what I mean? Well, so, and raises are, they, were, they also talked about the pay raises and that then people were the contributing. Pay- and I mean, I work for a, a public office and we get automatic pay raises. Is that something that also happens in your office? That happened exactly. So for them to say that I was giving raises for money is a complete lie. They are lying. Tell the truth. That's why I tell people, tell the truth about run a clean and honest campaign. Don't make up lies that you don't know anything about that office. Because the races that were given were given across to all county employees. Well, I've seen Cook County electeds who have someone on their payroll that are running their campaigns. I've seen that for the Cook County Sheriff's Department. Again, but you know what started here? Again, it started because I wasn't supported by the party. Let's be honest. This is a big backlash at me. Now, how sad that right now when you look at our ticket, our upcoming ticket for the primary, there isn't a brown person on the top of the ticket. I am the only Hispanic, the only brown person, constitutional officer that was not supported by the party. You know why? Because three years ago, I ran against the party. Here, I was a sitting senator, went to them. But again, because the money, the money was about, it was about who can really bring the most money. I know I couldn't, but again, what happened the last time, three years ago, it went to a white, you know, man who had a lot of money. He got the he got the nod and he was the he was the endorsed candidate by the party. But I I beat the party. I, I won that election. And I again I went back, embraced my party, the party that I've been part I've been a true blue Democrat for the past 
40 years of my life. Today, I sit still as the Hispanic Caucus Chair on the DNC. I still, I still serve at that capacity. So you talk about a, a, a true blue Democrat, it's me. But what do we have? We have a lot of socialists running around making accusations and talking about, you know, about, you know, us individuals when that people that are really working and really trying to move the Democrats forward, you know, and, and this is what we're getting. And again, to not support the only Hispanic constitutional officer. So it's a black and white ticket. It's unfortunate. It's a black and white ticket. You know, again, we are being left out now. How do we motivate our people to come out to vote, at least my people to come out to vote? And my Especially people, in a crucial right yeah. in a crucial vote like this, yeah. a, a, a crucial it's, a crucial election like this coming up in March, you know when they don't see someone that looks like them and that they diss the only Hispanic woman, a woman with a political career of forty years, that you've never heard nothing negative about me now because they want to win so bad because my opponent is paying her way. She's paying everybody out there. She wants to buy the seat. This is exactly what she's doing, buying the seat, going out there and throwing, bringing that checkbook and writing checks out to everyone so they would. And, of course, she got endorsed. She got endorsed over me, which is really sad when you see it that the party, I feel the party is very racist towards Latinos. How do you not have a Latino at the top of the ticket? Especially there was somebody there like myself who... And, and ask anyone out there, ask any commissioner right now, has the office of the clerk had any problems whatsoever in the three years? No, we've done a phenomenal job. The clerks in that office and the people in that office have done a phenomenal job, you know, these past three years in turning that office around. Turning that office around. For full disclosure, I want to make sure folks know that we will be uh, welcoming uh, Mariana Sparopoulos, the challenger for the seat next week. So for folks who are like, ah, you know, I will, we will have uh, we have her on next week. She is a currently a commissioner with the, the Water Reclamation M- MWRD. I do want to ask another question before we go to the, because uh, I want to. Uh, there's uh, several things I want to address, but there uh, another criticism is around centered around the inf- Inspector General's office. Given that Cook County already has an IG, how do you justify having your own, and how? In- Independent is he or she? Well, let me just say I, I've heard her talk about this. First of all, I I that I inherit that seat when I got there. That the the, the inspector general was part of the office. However, when we I hired the very best that we had out there that came from Copa, an attorney, very smart young man who came over. What he found in that office was definitely someone who was not doing the inspector general's work. One other thing I can tell you is my inspector general is not in the same building that I am. They are in a building across the street from us on their own separate floor away from anyone from the actual clerk's office so they can be independent. And guess what? I mean, she talks about the independent inspector general. My inspector general, guess what? Today he served as he's a judge. He's a judge, right? On the on the on the on the on the bench today, mm-hmm. because of the fact of so they saw some. This is the, this is the one that they're talking out there about the inspector that I don't have an independent inspector general. I don't see my inspector general maybe once a week in a staff meeting just to see. And again, we don't barely talk. I see quarterly reports every three months. That's what I see. I do not get involved. None of us get involved with the inspector. That's why they're on their own. They're on their own independently in an own. They're on their own building on their own separate floor away from everyone. I don't get to see what goes there, what comes out of there other than the quarterly report that I receive. So it is a very independent. And just again, we talk about the fact that we are, you know, when you when you start hitting us on, on oh, you don't have independence. But yes, I do. It's part of our office, but guess what? He is independent because 
Like I said, he's in a separate building all by himself on a separate floor. And I, I have to make, imagine him in an all yeah, floor by himself. And, and one thing that I did require of that was that everyone, all the employees that work for the inspector general are today all certified by the National Association of Inspector Generals. So they have to pass a training a very intensive training nationally and, are, and to get certified in order for them to work in that office. So, again, you know what? Leave that one alone because, again, they are doing the job that has to be done. We are talking to the clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County. Iris Martinez joins us in studio, and we're going to continue our conversation. We've, we've addressed some of the, the controversy around your off your administration. And when we come back, I want people to learn more about what your role is, what the Circuit Court of Cook County does, so that they can be better familiar when they see the names on the ballot, when they see that uh, that role on the ballot. Uh, and, and it, you know, a lot of folks see judges and committee men. It's going to be a lot of candidates on your ballot. So we are talking to Iris Martinez today. Madam Clerk joins us more in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are joined by the clerk of the Circuit Court of I, seriously, I had it earlier, Madam Clerk. Uh, the Clerk of the, the Circuit Court of Court Kirk County, County. My, Iris Martinez, joins us in studio. And uh, before we, uh, I, are you up for taking a phone call? I'll in take here? a phone call, of course. All right, we uh, let's we have a phone call from Diane in Berwyn who has a question. Hi, Diane. What's on your mind? You're on with Madam Clerk. Hey, Iris Patty, Martinez. How hey, are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Madam you? Clerk. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm a court reporter. And thanks to the pandemic, I haven't been at Daly or any Cook County court for a number of years now. But you're talking about uh, technology. And the last time I was in a courtroom, the attorneys, when the judge orders uh, them to write an order... They're writing it using carbon paper. No. Not the anymore. That was, when, when, when was the last time you were there, Diane? Oh, it's before the pandemic. Oh, yeah. so, 2019. So I remember this. This was part of what, what, uh, what the Madam Clerk ran on. I remember this because we used to go to the a lot of endorsement sessions. Paper, yes. Yeah, yes. they were. That was. I, I was as, as outraged and, and bizarrely confused as you are. No, they don't do that anymore. Yay. <laughs> Welcome to the 21st century. I, just, I was wondering where they were actually finding carbon paper at all anymore. Yeah, really. <gasps> you put out carbon co- copy paper people We had to make sure we got rid of all those boxes of carbon paper. Yeah, no, yeah. We, you know, we, we, again, modernizing, modernizing that office has been my number one goal. There you go. So what do they do now? Is there an actual uh, computer terminal yes. where they can type it up? Or? Yes. Uh, our clerks, oh, cool. everyone has computers. And you know what? Even today, go to our website, Diana, and look at the amazing things that the clerk's you know office has been doing as far as making sure that people don't even have to go to the courtroom. You can actually look up a case in the privacy of your own home. And, and now yes, added, I use it quite a bit. Yep, uh, even a criminal case, uh, e-filing has become so much easier than it's ever been. You know what? And right now we're up to, we're almost to the point where now you're going to be able to pay any court fees and everything online. So we're really working to modernize that office and revolutionize the whole office to the point where you know we're saying we're finally in the 21st century, and you know what? People don't have to run to a courthouse, to that particular courthouse. They can they can e-file from any courthouse that they want to. That's closest to home. Thank you, awesome. Diane. So glad to hear it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Diane. 
And with that, with the, the updates in the technology that has uh, advanced the office of the Circuit Court of, Clerk of Cook County, tell us a little bit about this uh, this new press release you have today in regards to mobile case search technology and desktop. Well, I know online, today I had a WGN at the at the WGN was over at the uh, office because they wanted to see Lourdes Duarte wanted to see how this you know how this works, and we were able to walk her through very simple step. You can go onto the website and you hit you know online online uh, case search. And you can actually put in a criminal case, uh, you know, in there or any case that you may have. Let it be through your last name and first name and your date of birth. Or it can be done by an RI number. Usually that's usually the, the, the law enforcement. Or you can just, you know, go ahead and look at it in a, in a, a by, you know, by, by your last name. And which is important, you know, because right now people can actually go to a system and not have to worry about going to court to find your, what's the status on your case. You can actually, like I said, put in that, that you know, that case number or your last name. You know, and it'll pop up and it'll tell you exactly the status, whether, you know, that you, whether, you know, your next court date is, you know, February 1st, it's on there. So, you know, something that before you had to go to the courthouse, to the system there and look it up. And now, really? and now you don't have to. Wow. That's I'm telling you, we've made so many advances. So this thing that our, that our website keeps going down, not true, not true at all. That our system keeps going down, does not. And by, you know, and, and, and the other day I saw a comment that was being made by my opponent saying, oh, and the child support checks are, you know, the poor people are waiting for his child support. We don't process child support. This is something- That's what I said. The misinformation that's out there. The misinformation that's out there. We do not process. The state of Illinois is the one that processes. And thus, oh, don't say it's my office. Don't say it's the comptroller's no, office. I no, no, no. The state it. of Illinois, the disbursement, <laughs> the disbursement unit. Because uh, hold on a second. We have somebody on the line who wants to say hello. Hello, caller from the seven seven three. You're on with Madam Clerk Iris Martinez of the Circuit Court of Kirk- Cook County. Hi, how are you? Let's see if, if, if she recognizes my voice. Oh my goodness! Hi, hello, darling. How are you today? Hey, Carmen. I'm doing well. Hello. I just wanted to comment. I was laughing as I was listening. I think her name was Diane, the caller from Berwyn about yes. the carbon paper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was laughing because I had a flashback after years in the courtroom and all the carbon paper and the black fingers and using it until you could see through it. <laughs> um, and then laughed because there was an issue when carbon paper came back during the PFA because oh the technology God. that the clerk is talking about where everything's available on the computer you know, there's still some training that has to go on. So you still have some judges and some state attorneys who are a little old school. Yes. And although they can do the forms and stuff on the computers, they felt more comfortable with actual paper copies. So for a short period of time, carbon paper reappeared back in the courtrooms in the last couple of months. And oh, I thought the clerk was going to have the a PFA. But we, we're, we're, we, we are not bringing it back. Trust me. <laughs> no, the clerk, the clerk had a stroke. She's like, what? There's no carbon. I said, no, Madam Clerk, we are not using the carbon paper. The judges and the state's attorneys don't want to use the computers yet. So they and, wanted the carbon paper. So I just had a flashback. I know. We all did. I know. You, when she said carbon paper, go, oh, my God, what a word. <laughs> I saw your face. Uh, cool, Patty. I'll let you go. I just, like I said, I wanted to say hi to my boss and chime in. Good to hear from you, Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. I'll see you later. She's a uh, regular guest co-host on the show. I, I was thinking that uh, we should have you on more often so people understand what happens with the uh, in your office, how it works. You know, once in a while, check in you with know, you. And, and, and the great thing about the office is that, you know, we've been able to, like, expungements. We are doing so much more on expungements, not going out, a clerk in the community. Another example, I've been doing this since day one. We've been going out to the communities and, you know, and all over Kokani, making sure that we're bringing our equipment, our our clerks out to the community 
inviting people to come just in case they want to check their records, right. whether, you know, for, you know, for, for evictions, for, you know, for, uh, for anything that you may have. They're there. They can sit there. And we have had a lot of people come to these clerical communities just because they're too scared to go to the, court, the courthouse and been able to resolve their issues right then and there. To me, that's something that I've been doing. Take, just take the clerk office into the community. And we've been doing that from day one. From day one, we've been doing that. And that's something that has really worked for our office because it con- it's been connecting us with the people in Kokani. I, I do want to address something with you because I think you and I both, uh, I'm, I am a progressive. I don't know that I'm a democratic socialist. I might hover towards that. Uh, I'm somewhere, like there's far left, there's somewhere where I am to progressive. I've always been a progressive. I, I all, lost, my year, I've, oh, all my years in the state senate, I've been a progressive you know, well, there's legislator. Something, there's something that's difficult for both of us because we both back the blue in a way that people don't want progressives like there so someone just texted don't forget that you're backed by you're supported or endorsed by the FOP and I full disclosure mm. I sought the endorsement of FOP I grew up with uh, many police officers and firefighters in this neighborhood so what would you like to say to people who have questions and concerns about you know being they'll, they'll have pictures of you at events at fundraisers and things like that what would you like to say no, first of all again that picture that everybody's talking about the one picture that the FOP you know president and and the members showed up at my birthday party. Okay. Right? That was it. I am not, and I'm going to say this again, it's, it's sad to say that people in the FOP, now, people might have problem with the leader of the FOP. I do. Let's, yes. Right. Yes. But let's remember that the rank and file. Let's remember the men and women in blue. I come from a, a family where I have firemen and police officers. Right. I have the highest respect for the first responders. You know, and to me, I will always, always support my men and women in blue. Right. Regardless, I, I will not apologize for that. Now, that they will make this up because they're very anti-police, that's their problem. That's their problem. I tell my folks, you know what? They have been always, always been part of my life. And that's how I... And I, I have the highest respect for the men and women in blue. And I often tell people, I, I, I look, cops dislike me a lot sometimes because I, I, I march with the Black Lives Matter. Right. And I have, I, I have lost friends over it. And I have lost progressive friends because I am close friends with people who are who wear the badge it's it's a very hard position to have right uh, but I, I and I, it's not that I, it's hard for me and that's all I can say about it and I know and, and, and people have their opinions and their views and we should be respectful the same way yes be respectful of my views because I have family that are you know that are officers and also firemen and that's yeah. my family that's my background of my family right for men and women who often do a job most of us can't or won't do that's the way right. I, the honest truth. That's the honest truth. And again, and again, so if there's a few, a, I would say a few that are out there, but you know what? When you look at to the, what's going on today in our communities and, and the carjackings and the robberies and, you know, and everything that we're seeing more and more every single day, guess what? I'm always going to be dependent on my black and on my, on my, on my, on my, on my men and women in blue to make sure that they can the safety. Right. That I need. You know, when you have a carjacking right down the street minutes before you got there, it's it's a scary. I'm afraid as a woman to go out in the street and, and, you know, drive my car and go and be at a light. Right. I've never, in the 25 years that I've lived in my neighborhood, I have never felt that until now. 
the last few years. I mean, again, you know what? So if anybody has to say anything about that, you know, if they want to attack, attack the leader, if that's what that's how they feel, I don't attack anyone, especially unless they come for us. Madam Iris Martinez, clerk, uh, Madam Clerk of the uh, Circuit Court of Cook County. I want to thank you for joining us today and for your service. And uh, and I look forward to having more conversations with you and wish you the very best. Well, I will be back. I'm going to leave this with you because I think all the accomplishments of our offices are here just in case. Okay. You know, so I, 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 again, thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Have a wonderful evening and be safe out there. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Coming up after the news, we will talk to Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation Area. And comedian Tim Walco will join us in the studio. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. Politicians getting caught grabbing asses. She's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Thank you so much for hanging out with us as we drive it home. And I want to say hello to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 950 AM. Of course, every Wednesday we talk to our good friend Dan Schaefer, the publisher and writer for the Recombobulation Area. Dan, I want to introduce you to somebody I have in studio today. I have comedian Tim Walco joining us. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. And I like this. I like bringing people together. Uh, so Dan, Tim, Tim, Dan. Hi, there Dan. How are you? Doing well, Tim. Glad to uh, glad to be on the show, and good to meet you. Nice to meet you. I spent all my summers. Can I get this up a little? All my summers in Rhinelander. We had a home up in northern Wisconsin. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. So I have some good stories about that. <laughs> Well, I uh, will we'll hold off on sports oh, for a yeah, few minutes just because I know that uh, there was a lot of activity in the state capital of Wisconsin yesterday in Madison. Tell us where we are with the maps in, in, in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's been kind of a circus this week with uh, with some legislation and debate over redistricting. As, as I'm, you're aware, the, uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled late last year that the maps that we had for the most recent election were unconstitutional, struck down those maps. Uh, and so there's been a process unfolding uh, to get new maps for the state of Wisconsin, a number of uh, six map submissions are currently being considered uh, by the Wisconsin Supreme Court, but also kind of parallel to that in the Wisconsin state legislature, uh, the Republicans led by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss were trying to pass uh, a new redistricting plan uh, that would, you know, use some different processes to to implement maps and also uh, try to pass a, you know, one of uh, a version uh, of those new map submissions uh, as a new map. So it's, it's been a pretty chaotic few days, uh, but I think the end results that we've reached today is that it's very likely that what the Republicans did pass in the state legislature is going to get vetoed uh, by Tony Evers, and uh, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled Wisconsin <laughs> Supreme Court ordered plan. So uh, after, a, yeah, after a chaotic 48 hours here, uh, that included the legislature trying to reconvene after last night's uh, State of the State address in the state capitol. Uh, we're back to what looks like uh, what the plan was set forth uh, by the Wisconsin Supreme Court after their December 22nd ruling. It makes me crazy because this has happened in other states where the Supreme Court of, of the state has told them that they need to come back with something else, and then they don't. It's like, okay, you've been told by the highest court in your state. How many times do you have to keep going back? <laughs> exactly. Like, it, 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 it's almost like, well, maybe they'll just give up on us and we can just do whatever we want. Yeah, they'll go away. They'll <laughs> exactly. go away. The Democrats yeah. are going to go away. That's what it feels like. Right, Dan? 
Yeah, it's, you know, I was talking to, I wrote a story about this yesterday at the recombobulation area. A uh, Democratic source told me this is just their last-ditch effort to try to go around uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court. There was a thought, you know, that there were a number of map submissions uh, that the court ordered, and one of those maps was from Tony Evers, our Democratic governor. And so what Republicans were trying to do was pass those maps uh, as, you know, and, and just kind of put the ball in Evers court and say, well, are you going to are you going to veto your own map submission? What's going to happen here? But they got the Republicans got caught up in what appears to be a sort of internal debate about where the maps would be to protect incumbents. Uh, which just runs counter to the whole process. You, you shouldn't be right, drawing the maps to, you know, protect state legislators. The state legislators should have to go to the voters to earn those jobs uh, and not just be drawn into, you know, whatever safe district uh, that they wouldn't have to compete for those votes. And I think, you know, I think Governor Evers is, is making the right move here uh, to, uh, to veto that bill uh, and let the court process continue to, to unfold in Wisconsin. Did uh, did I, I didn't get to catch the uh, the governor's? Did he have a state of the state address yesterday? He did. Yeah, he had. You know, I think that was part of uh, the reason that Republicans are doing all this chaotic nonsense uh, on the maps yeah. was to divert attention <laughs> away from you know the state of the state address and a lot of the priorities uh, that uh, that Governor Evers was putting out uh, for this year. You know, he he has he always. In his state of the state address, this is his sixth one now. Each one he has, uh, you know, the year of this. So last year was the year of mental health. Uh, years past, there was one in the year past that was the year of clean water. Uh, on and on, just kind of various uh, priorities that, that the governors had. So this is the year of the worker uh, in 2024. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of focus on, you know, the state's workforce challenges, uh, bringing people into the state, keeping people in the state, and, and addressing, you know, things like, um, you know, uh, uh, worker training, education, apprenticeships, and also, you know, other connected uh, connected uh, issues like childcare, like uh, uh, other things that will, you know, help people get back uh, into the workforce. All the things Republicans hate. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Things like paid leave, child care, education, you know, all the things that Republicans vote out of the governor's budget yeah, uh, they, every time. He votes they they want to make it the year of cheese every year. It's the year of cheese. Uh, Dan, you know, we've been talking about this uh, happening in the states across the country. I know Iowa, Mississippi, states that are changing the child labor laws. And there was a tragic story in uh, Wisconsin of a, a young boy, a young man who was killed at a sawmill. And we've heard, you know, it, it, somehow the lowering child, the child age for labor and how many hours, how late they can work, serving alcohol, all these different things, working in dangerous conditions, it coincides with forcing women to have babies. It seems like it's a weird thing happening in, in these states where they, they want to put kids and women in danger because they don't have a labor force that can fill minimum wage jobs. As opposed to getting some migrants or people yeah. to move there and do what they want to do <laughs> exactly. and they need them. Yeah. But no, it's horrible. Iowa, Iowa, 91% white. I rest my case. <laughs> New Hampshire, 88% white. Nice vote. Two very diverse states to start off our voting. Is George Wallace on the ticket this year? I don't know. <laughs> what what have you heard about? He, child- might be, he might be too much of a moderate for today's Republican Party. I don't know. He's too you're, nice of a guy. You're right. <laughs> he was not a bad guy. Hitler was not a bad guy. <laughs> 
What are you hearing in regards to uh, child labor labor laws in Wisconsin? Is there is that, are they continuing to want to have like longer shifts for them? I mean, are there any protections left in some of the in places like Wisconsin for child child laborers? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the things that they have talked about is loosening, you know, that we always hear the same type of type of line from a lot of the, you know, business, like the big business lobbies in the state, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, WMC, uh, is kind of the biggest business lobbyist in the state. And they're always just talking about, oh, we need to we need to loosen restrictions. We need to, you know, let business do their thing. Well, a lot of those restrictions that they're trying to loosen are, like you mentioned, uh, you know, changing uh, changing protections for workers in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and doing those different types of things, you know, I'm not I'm not aware of a whole lot of um, legislation that has been specific to rolling. I know there was the one that kind of made some some national news with uh, you know allowing 14 uh, year olds to be bartenders, basically. It is Wisconsin. It is Wisconsin. You know, it is Wisconsin, right? Uh, so you know, you got, it comes with the territory. It's Drive to, a car to a at 12, degree, drink but, at 13, and have six kids by 15. Oh my God! With with a northern <laughs> Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, for a party that always throws around the word groomer. You want to put a kid behind the bar and surround them by by drunks. I don't understand. <laughs> well, I'm sending him to a lumber camp. Yeah, the most dangerous job in the world is lumber camp. Oh my god! It's about, and second is all the people in Iowa working in the pig slaughtering places yep. that they bring in. Yeah, insane. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's lunatics. It is. It is. I, I do uh, want to offer my condolences and not te- tease you too much about the uh, Packers game. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, it's been a few days now. I'm recovering. Yes, I'm a big Packers fan, of course. Uh, close one. I, you know, it, it was it was a great season uh, for the Packers and what was supposed to be a rebuilding season. Uh, and Jordan Love leading them to a terrific playoff win uh, in Dallas the week before. Had my hopes up for you know really pulling off a crazy upset in San Francisco, but you know coming up just short, a field goal away. What's the difference? Not that I'm going to be thinking about that field goal for you know the rest of the winter. What about Buffalo? How do you oh, like to those people? And he's going to kick. We won't, we won't get another yard because he might. Oh my gosh! That happened to them in the Super Bowl or whatever it is years ago, or before they got to the Super Bowl. I know, Bowl. wide it's, right, wide just, right, uh, just like playing the playing the hits for for Buffalo fans. That was oh, a tough man. one. Yeah, tough uh, one for the Packers too. But you know what? I'm pretty happy with how the season went. I think I think Jordan loves a great quarterback, uh, and the Packers they're, are going to be pretty good heading into next year. That's for sure. All we can do here is hope the McCaskies die. That own the Bears. That's our only hope. <laughs> That's our only hope. She's 175, and she thinks she's a tree. And, um, yeah, so we have not only the Packers who got great, the Lions are in a, thank God for Minnesota, because they seem to have problems. Thanks. we're in a tough division all of a sudden. Who, who are you guys rooting for? Because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, uh, with uh, the, the Team Swifty. And, uh... <laughs> no, I've not had enough Kansas City in my life. I'm going with the Blue State. Fine. Yes, I'm going with fair. the Lions. They're underdogs. Okay. No, 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 that's the other side. Oh, the Ravens are great. I've heard that. They're great, but they just put in the, uh, the, this, this, they're all, everyone's complaining about it. it's rigged because of the officials. Well, they just put in the official that every game the underdogs seem to win, and they put him in there. So let's watch all the fun. You know, gambling has destroyed sports. You oh, can't tell me they all think it's fixed. And you know what? Might be. Ask the Ricketts. They have a sports bar. Do they have a third baseman? No. <laughs> Do they have a first baseman? No. Do they have a closer? No. Well, they have a sports bar. And Nazis, <laughs> they're, they're the kids in politics. That's what they have. Dan, who are you rooting for? Do you have any, do you have any favorites going into the rest of the playoff season? 
You know, I'm, I'm basically just going to be rooting against San Francisco. They, they've beat the <laughs> Packers a lot of so many times over the past. I think three three of the last five seasons, uh, the Packers season has ended with a loss to San Francisco. So I'm just rooting against them. Uh, you know, I, I I guess Baltimore just for somebody new. Kansas City's won a lot. Uh, I'm not going to root for Detroit because they're also in our division. Yeah. Maybe I'll go with Baltimore. Maybe I'll go with Baltimore. Yeah, I like Lamar Jackson. He's so. tremendous. He's what Fields could be someday when we after we trade him. Uh, yikes. And by yeah, the after, way, after you trade him. That's yeah. right. After you trade him and screw up the number one pick. I'm looking forward to the Bears doing that this offseason. We'll probably pick a punter. <laughs> Which the, Bears, the Bears once did for their first pick, and he's, he, oh man, Sauerbraten or something. He's an idiot. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling heading into the to the to the preseason for the? Uh, I'm sorry for spring training. I know it's going to be a, it's still a few weeks away, but how are you feeling about your your Brewers? Brewers, I'm okay. I mean, you know, it's not, it's, uh, not maybe as excited uh, about the Brewers as some of the, my other uh, Wisconsin sports favorites right now. Um, you know, losing Craig Council to the Cubs, was that was no fun. That was no fun at all. Yeah, uh, but, is, you know, I think yeah. they, they signed a new first baseman yesterday, uh, and that was definitely a position that they needed to upgrade at. So uh, I still think, you know, they've got a good Brewers for, for basically my whole life. They always had great hitting and terrible pitching and now they have great pitching and terrible hitting just the opposite uh, so the i'm hoping, opposite. hoping they can balance that out a little bit didn't they sign reese hotskins or the guy from philadelphia to play first base the yeah, guys that's that's they signed, yeah. Not, but apparently they were sleeping again <laughs> yeah i like that signing with the brewers have needed a I first baseman for a while now so i, I like well, that one we've needed one since mark grace was there <laughs> <laughs> now, Tim, you were saying you spent a lot of time in northern Wisconsin. I did, in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Yeah, I hate her. Okay. And um, <laughs> when I say the kids, uh, yeah, I, my friends I grew up with, every year I'd go up, there'd be one kid missing. I don't know <laughs> no. if it was a car accident or oh, no. hunting. Well, it's a small town. They sure. drive quickly, and they drive when they're 12. He used to sit on his dad's lap. He was 12 years old. His dad was a car dealer. So that apparently, if you could get on a lap, he would steer. Oh, no. And then I, so I did a joke. I said, then he had a car when he was 15, my friend Gary Knudsen. Yeah, hey there, okay there, part near five, eh, Timmy? Uh, so I went to see him, and he, he pulls up. He's got a car. I go, Gary, you're 15. You got a car? He goes, yeah. How about that there? I said, well, let me hop in the driver's seat. He goes, well, the wife and kids are over there. <laughs> So that's northern Wisconsin. <laughs> I still love it. Politically, we're in trouble up there, let's be honest. Yeah, no kidding. It's any lonely area is not democratic. Uh, well, They've never seen anybody else well, but they, white people. If they have uh, Fox, stuck on their, Fox stuck on their television, it's, uh, it makes things a little bit worse. Dan, what are you working on next uh, for the recombination area? Well, I wrote a piece this week about uh, about that redistricting, uh, about the uh, the maps that were submitted and how uh, many of them... Uh, would create much far more competitive elections. You know, one of the things that we've had in Wisconsin uh, is in the last, you know, basically 12-plus years since we've had these gerrymandered maps is we get fewer and fewer competitive elections uh, every election cycle. I think last, uh, in 2022, I ran the numbers, only eight of the 99 uh, state assembly seats were decided by less than 10%. uh, And with new maps, with a lot of these new map submissions, we'd have dozens uh, of potentially competitive elections. So instead of just, you know, uh, a few options here and there, I think, you know, we might have a situation where legislators will actually have to compete for votes. What Wouldn't a concept, that be something? Right? Wouldn't that be yeah. nice? Tell yeah. that to Jim Jordan. 
<laughs> and well, and I think people in different parts uh, of the state will, you know, it's often painted as this situation where, oh, you know, all the liberal voters are in Madison and Milwaukee and the rest of the yeah. state is the red state. Well, that's not really necessarily the case. You know, look at the, the election with uh, Janet Protasiewicz from, from last spring. You know, even if you had taken away the margin in Dane County, she still would have won because she did really well in, you know, places like La Crosse and Eau Claire and Stevens Point yeah. and the Fox Valley and a lot of these more swingy areas uh, of the state. And so many, you know, so many of these places uh, across the state have been gerrymandered to the point where it's really hard for any, you know, Democratic candidate to, to find some footing to, to flip a seat. So I think if we have some more, you know, competitive elections um looking ahead to you know this fall if we do have uh these new maps in place for next fall we're going to have a brand new landscape a completely different environment and i think you know so many of the policies uh that have majority support that have gone ignored in the state things like medicaid expansion or marijuana legalization or uh, abortion rights or so many different things uh might have a, a different you know might might be changing their tune on a number of these issues that have had you know, 70 percent support in public opinion polling, but have not gained any traction in the Wisconsin state legislature because they've been taken over by just the far right wing of the party. All the things that we stand for on the left, everybody else, 80 percent agree with. Right. Women's rights, health care, um, unions, yep. uh, children's laws, sanity. <laughs> sanity. Sanity is my first. <laughs> climate, climate change. Climate change and dental yep. hygiene. <laughs> Dan, where, where are you guys in the the, uh, the primary lineup? Are you? Uh, I can't remember where you fall with the presidential primary. Are you? We're a little further back. Ours is in April. Okay. Ours is in, uh, I believe, the first the first week of April. So yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be pretty much wrapped up by then. Hey. Eh? Uh, well, kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of hoping. I mean, I really. I wish that Haley <laughs> had the the funding. Could just like just make him crazy. I just wanted to stay to make him crazy. Yes. She got he got upset because she had a nice looking dress on last <laughs> night. He is so afraid of women. I know. And so afraid of a strong yeah. woman. And I don't really care for her. But stay no, as long as you stay as long as you yeah. can to the party and ruin his life. <laughs> he can't talk anymore. Bang this and zoom that. He thinks Vietnam is Desert Storm. You're a lunatic. Here, hold You're on, a diaper-wearing lunatic. Here, just for all of us. I'll play that. I've seen shots that you wouldn't even believe. Missile launched. They go, missile launched. And you hear a bell go. I mean, I see this. I like I so incredible. They calmly walk to a seat. Ding, 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 ding. They've only got 17 seconds to figure this whole thing out, right? Boom. Okay. Bump. Missile launch. Bump. Oh, okay. my God. <laughs> sorry. Just, oh, sorry, please. Dan. Get him to a home. <laughs> If that's your grandparent, if that's your grandparent or father, you take the keys away. Yeah. Yes. This afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't even get to your favorite, our, our favorite congressman, uh, but we'll talk about him some other time. <laughs> or senator, it's senator, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Actually, there will always be another opportunity. Senator Russian, 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 known Johnson. Exactly. It's Dan Schaefer, the the, pub, the publisher and writer for Recombobulation Area. Go to uh, follow him on Twitter, uh, Dan Schaefer, the traditional spelling S H A F E R. Easiest way to spell it, and you can sign up for the Recombobulation Area, his Substack, and support the work that he does. You can get some of it. But get all of it. Thank you so much, Dan. We we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Uh, let's say a break here. We'll continue our conversation with Tim Walco, who's got a show tomorrow at Half Day Brewery in Lincolnshire. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM Minneapolis, St. Paul. 
Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Let me see if I can get this video. Hold on. Does this work? No, I still don't have it. Tim Walco joins me in studio. And, uh, Tim, we were talking off the air a little bit and before the break about uh, some of the things that Donald Trump says in his speeches that I just, it's insane. It's starting to go downhill real fast. Yeah. It's real fast. And there, but the people in the audience don't care. And here's no, they don't. You and I have also talked about how I want her to, I want Haley to stay in this as long as possible. I do too. In part to keep making him crazy, but also I still want to know what Republicans are running on, except for hatred and fear. And the border. That's all the they border. run exactly. on. Exactly. They have nothing to run on, and that's what they stick with. And she's actually trying to have a couple issues. She's like a real, real candidate. I guess. You yeah. Know, I'm not, I don't like her. She's no. slavery. You know. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't teach. They didn't teach that. You know, please, lady, <laughs> lady, Carolina. calm down, okay? You didn't yeah. teach it. And there's no racism in America. You live in South Carolina, sweetheart. Well, and then she said that she experienced racism every day at school because she was bullied. So which one is it? Well, it's like the Jardians girl, yeah. the big girl. She's a real right wing idiot. No, I'm not her fan anymore. Oh boy. I oh, woke. Boy. I thought she was. She fell and killed the gecko, the gecko from the other. But- the gecko from the insurance companies. All the characters of my life are just on commercials. <laughs> I have a listener who wants to ask a question about about this very conversation. What's your, what's on your mind, David San Francisco? Oh, thanks. Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard somebody mention the, uh, the political issues up in um, in the rural parts of the state, and I, I. I for the life of me, can't imagine why uh, the farmers who probably knew that climate change was happening 30 years ago uh, haven't really been able to get up off their hind, uh, you know, under their hind legs and express it. But the, uh, I would think that uh, somebody that talks climate change issues in rural parts of the state would have a pretty good shot of winning. And the idea of being able to, you know, if you look at the what the Saudis are trying to do to America right now by jacking up gas prices, uh, and the idea that uh, Biden has been putting together fleets of electric cars, not only in the post office but in governmental uh, uh, fleets, uh, that uh, that that's going to save us or sta- uh, save us a lot of money or stabilize our budgets. Because when you start looking at uh, a real fiscal conservative, they don't want emergency spending. They want uh, slow and steady growth or slow and steady budgets. So, you know, that uh, those are just two themes that I like to lean on when I call them rural stations. I think so, too, because they have the same issues. And, you know, what, how did Roosevelt get elected? He got elected by farmers and yeah. working class people. And they're getting the, really the short end of the stick. Now, the farmers that got paid off, that's one thing. But they don't like that corporation that bought them any more than we do. Uh, if you like cancer, then you like yeah. them. But, Yikes. but yeah, I think the rural areas are listening to Democrats more now. But you have to get in there. It's so hard it when is. they buy all the stations. Yes. That's all they hear. And some of them have the IQ of a, of a chipmunk. 
I'm insulting chipmunks there. I'm sorry. It's possibly a, a lack of uh, intellectual curiosity. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's what I meant. I meant chipmunk, but it means intellectual curiosity. Well, isolation. Yeah, yes, isolation. isolation. Yeah. Well, and again, if you have your TV stuck on on Fox News, I mean, if I if I just watched, I, I go crazy watching MSNBC all day long, and they're not nearly as ardent and they don't lie. They're, not they're as, just opinionated. That's all it is, and it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. The other thing is scary. They just yesterday after the thing, I don't know which one it was. It's Kaylee McEnany. She did the same lie that they got sued for. They were sued for it. She went on and said the same things they got sued for last night. Uh, and that, that was one of the things that was happening early on with the returns because he wasn't winning by as big of a margin. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He was only 10% for a while. Yeah, because they thought 22%, 24%. They started talking about election interference, voter <laughs> interference. I'm like, oh, so you guys are doing it. And they had like, the, the AI of Biden's voice the day before telling people not oh, to vote. That's what's God. really scary. Yeah, that is, we're It's screwed. basically over. That's, no, it's that's, over. That's, that's bad. No, they're going to invent something that themselves, the AI, and we're done. Yeah. Thanks for calling, Dave. Always good to hear from you. Great, no trouble. Take it, thank you. That was a great opinion there, because yeah. I think we're missing out on the, the, the things that, like you said, health care. Yeah. They can't have Obamacare go away. No. They can't, and they're, they want women's rights. It's 80% on our on our side. Is there, well, let's talk about this when we come back because th- this is what I was talking about yesterday that Republicans are just great. I mean, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that, you know, the messaging in Iowa, New Hampshire, all, where all the primaries are is that the immigrants are coming to poison our blood and steal our jobs and, you know, just sort of, and, and live off of uh, taxpayer money, right? right. That's, that's the big thing. And look, we are not managing this well at all. I did the math yesterday. You do not want to hear how much we have spent just in Chicago. I know, just per- in Chicago. Just, it, but places like, uh, well, it's North Dakota. I'm not sure, but I know it was Indiana. They want these people to come Iowa there and too. work in yes. Iowa. Yep. They need them there. And that's why you find a 14-year-old behind the bar with an axe in his hand. Because they won't look down. He's the a lumberjack. He's a bartender at a lumberjack camp. Yikes. We were hanging out with Tim Walco, comedian Tim Walco, one of my good friends who I've known. Gosh, it's going to be almost 30 years soon. Yes, it is. It's going to be 30. I think, I think at the end of February, it'll be 30 years since I started doing stand-up comedy. Oh, I passed you by a little bit, but I started late. <laughs> uh, I uh, He'll be tomorrow. He'll be performing tomorrow at Half Day Brewery in Lincolnshire. What time is the show? 7.30. 7.30 show, along with Jimmy McHugh. And Laura Hug. And Laura Hug. That's I a great show. I know. It's going to be a great show. That's a and really- it's a really cool place yeah. uh, in Lincolnshire. Rich people, please come. <laughs> 773-763-9278 is the number to call or text and join our conversation. More when we come back on WCPTA 20, Heartland Signal, and KTNF 950 AM, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Chicago town Believe me baby I was selling put you down I like your people And your loose loose ways But this cold weather Just ain't in my space Have you ever Been to the coast Sat outside At your buddy your toe If you have you got to know Why I've got these Midwestern It's quite a thrill to have a fruit that's parched. It's 
two degrees on April 3rd Like an expedition with Admiral Bird Have you ever been to the coast? Sell outside as you buried your toes If you have, you've got to know why I've got these Midwestern blues Ladies and gentlemen, Dick Spiderhorn Walco, who joins us in studio, uh, and that's really you were telling me off the air that you, that's you play on the trumpet, a cornet, cornet, trumpet would be ugly. Oh, I apologize. And I haven't practiced since then. It's forty years ago. <laughs> is that really forty years ago? It is. It's a great song. Thank you for I, cold weather. I, well, I, I feel yeah. This is I don't do well in there's no sun. Of sunshine. Yeah, there's no sun. It's like Cleveland. Which, it's no, not it's, good. So Patty's watching Boardwalk Empire. I am watching Boardwalk it's Empire. Awesome. I am. I, so I was, I've been messaging uh, Joey Via Gomez, another comedian, sure. and he uh, he he was. I told him I was watching, it and he was so excited. And he said the same thing you did. He's going to go back and watch it again. I'm going to so, watch it again because uh, I I I, I, lo- I love it. Uh, I love Steve Buscemi. I love the whole cast. Oh, Buscemi is great. The the, the Irish actress that plays his. Oh, oh my gosh, she's a big star in other films. It's really wonderful. But I, I laugh when I hear the Chicago accents. It just cracks me up because they're like, pretty good. You're right. Atlantic City is where they planned the St. Valentine's Day Massacre at the hotel where we used to stay when we played the Comedy Stop. Yeah, at the, the Tropicana. Yeah, the, the, the place still had wire. There was the heating wasn't good in that. But oh. My wall caught on fire. Yeah, inside the wall. I believe it was it. cloth wiring. Two <laughs> <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Well, because those those fa- those hotels that were basically built up by you know the people who made money off of prohibition, right. they all became basically low income apartments. Yeah, and that's where they kept the comics. That's where they kept us. Bob had well, Bob owned three of them. Bob Kephart, God bless him. Yeah, okay. is he still around? You no, know, he's he has a boat out and he's looking for younger girls in the, <laughs> in, the in the Pacific Ocean or Atlantic Ocean. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah he-, he had a little accident. He ran into a coral reef. Oh, no. Well, it happens. Yeah, yeah. you got to know the depth of the water and how big your boat is. And what the stop sign said there. Yes, exactly. No, he's a, he, was a lot, he gave me a lot of work, and Bob was a good guy. I worked there I, I worked there twice a year. I really I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed being there. The boardwalk was still had its And down at the, the armory was a place with a big draft uh, where everyone trained for the army. Yeah. At the army. And I got to see hockey games there, and Springsteen was there. And it's Jersey, man. There's nothing like it. Well, you, you know who did a lot of uh, damage? to uh, Atlantic City would be this guy. We have a man who is totally corrupt and the worst president in the history of our country who is cognitively impaired. We are an institute in a powerful death penalty. <laughs> Trying to debank you. We came up with a new word for a new couple of words for corn. Your climb. They call it climate. Ding, 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 ding. He's been showing more and more confusion in his stump speeches. Ah, thank Windmills are causing whales to die in numbers never seen before. At least step it up. You're a foreign <laughs> dignity and you're coming into the United States. We would be in World War II. Missile launch. You're seeing Donald Trump increasingly get confused on the campaign trail. We won world wars out of forts. Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people. Soldiers. He thought Nikki Haley was Nancy Pelosi. That clip is brutal. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. Donald Trump is truly confused about who Nikki Haley is. Um, 
Okay. Totally incoherent. They want to debank you, and we're going to debank Viktor Orban. Did ever, anyone ever hear of him? He's the leader of Turkey. Hezbollah. Two falls. Two city with Obama. We won an election that everyone said couldn't be won. Obama dropped missiles and they ended up hitting a kindergarten. If that's the case, he's going to end up being indicted when he leaves office. They're leading by a lot, including Obama. It was, I'll tell you what. If he's making the same kind of slips and mistakes that he is uh, mocking Biden for, it undermines his, his argument and uh, really what is a central Republican need uh, heading into 24. I'll let you know when I go bad. I really think I'll be able to tell you. Yeah, it's a... Milk, milk wow. always says, hey, I'm bad. Wow. <laughs> it tells you when it goes wow. bad. So wow. Yeah, he confused the Vietnam War with it. It's uh, it's uh, it's your uncle. You got to get the keys. Do you remember when he won uh, and people were like, oh, comedians must be excited. Now they're going to have a lot of material. They're like, no, no. And not only that, but if we mention Trump on stage. Oh, in a regular show. No, you, no, have to, you, you have can't. To, you can't do. If you do politics, you have to do it for your group. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I'm there to entertain. I'm yeah. not there to get in an argument with people after the show. I'm on fire with them. I've come to many uh, places where we got to step outside. Yeah, I, 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 I have no problem with it. I've seen comics have things thrown at them because they mentioned Trump. Uh, I, I just mentioned, you know, that I have that joke about how they use goats for fires in California. Yeah. And I, and I just, I remembered that Trump had said we need to, they need to rake the floors of the yes, forest. Yes, they rake the floors. Get rake out. That's how the fires. Yeah, and I mentioned it, and this guy came up to me after the show. He's like, "If you're gonna make jokes about Trump, how come you're not making jokes about Biden?" And I was like, "What? Do you, I didn't even remember that I just said something off the cuff." Yeah. Right. So this guy's yelling at me. And I'm like, well, "Okay, fine. What do you want me to say about?" What, what kind of jokes would you make about Biden? He goes, uh, 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 uh. uh unemployment's down. The Dow is 38,000. <laughs> and you're, yeah. you, you're, you look at your 401k. Yeah. And he's working on child care. Prescription drugs. A, yeah. a student loan. These yeah. people don't enter, have no idea to touch these subjects. No. And so I, did, I, I didn't do the shifts for a while because I had that injury. I didn't go, and I'm glad. I couldn't have done the MAGA thing because a lot of people would have drowned. It's just an easy push when you're on the seventh yes. floor. And um, I couldn't take it. I had a little of it. And, you know, you're trying to treat them. An audience is an audience. I'm going to central Florida to do these showcases next week. And that's a very – right around the villages, which is known for the highest STD in the state. A lot of older people having fun down there at the oh, villages. Yeah. I've but heard it's that. There's outbreaks conserv- at senior villages sometimes. Yeah, well, you go there with a clap or you come home with a clap. That's the T-shirt. <laughs> Oh sometimes you get the honey, sometimes you get the sting. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. You're going to Florida, too. Well, I'm doing showcases for the, the communities, the condo communities. And that's the, as things go in the clubs right now, it's the best place for me. It's an older crowd. They're fine. They're one show coming out. It's now the clubs. you got five comics. With due respect to the comedy scene, when you have five comics, you're doing 10 minutes, you're not going to get better. And what we don't have here is an infrastructure like we had for comedians to go out and be bad and work every night. Are the clubs that we came, that I came up through, uh, the local one I won't mention, but are they not doing a three-person show anymore? They're, they're they do some. Doing... They bring a lot of people in. Yeah. That, uh, they're, the good, they, they, they're, they're booking it for a good younger crowd, and they have a lot of TikTok yeah. people showing videos. And, and, and they fill the room up nicely. It's okay. But other places, Barry Crimmins are in the Boston Comedy a scene at the Ding Ho Comedy Club. It started Dennis Leary, Stephen Wright, uh, right. Bob Goldthwaite. He would have open mic people do five, 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 and then say to them, you can't work here. I can't use you. You, Patty, do 30 next week. Wow. And you only have 10. 
Yeah. And that's how you get better. Yeah. Because you don't learn anything by being good. Well, that's you only learn when you fail. That's what. Yeah, I agree. That, and Bert used to do that to me. Bert would. I would. Uh, I would at Zany's. I would MC with. T- I would do my solid ten, and he would do this to me in between comics. He go, "I want to see you do another five. Yeah. Well, that's what? that's scary <laughs> when you first start. Like what? Five what? Five what? I'll do. I'll, I'll read the. I'll do the weather. Exactly. Oh my god. I I I, I love. I love the life I've had. I mean, I, there's no way. There are places in the world I never would have seen, like you know, Aberdeen, South Dakota, or Harney, <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska, or, or places in Ohio and areas. And I worked. I worked for a creative out of the South, and I went. I was. Everywhere in the Confederacy. The interesting thing about the Virginia and you go south, and you have Revolutionary War and Civil War history, which is fascinating. Yeah. And then you go in the room, and there's a picture of uh, Lee. And I don't mean a Chinese guy. I mean Lee. Robert, Robert E. Lee. Lee. I'm yeah. going to Leesburg. Oh, yeah. I'll wear a special hat. <laughs> but uh, the audiences are good. They're fun, these shows I'm doing. So and if you hit, hit the, it's like the college showcases. If you hit it big, my friend right. got 23 jobs. Rich Papura, out of Chicago, comedy magician, hysterical, same act for 40 years, still funny every day. Right. Of the day, all day. And he got 23 jobs out of the showcases oh, last wow. year. Oh, wow. Nice. And that's like, okay. Because it's so tough to, to travel now. And now, we went out to eat last night. I'm not complaining, but... $91 for two people with one drink is a little much with the tip and the tax. And Yeah, I, I would say the bulk of my, uh, during the pandemic, I, I ate local. Let's put it that way. And it, it adds up. And it does. Both it does. On, my, on my credit card and on my, on my jeans. On your jeans. <laughs> and we don't mean the ones from the DNA test. <laughs> no. I, I went from, well, let's just say that my, I've gone up a couple two-tree sizes. Two-tree. A couple two-tree. Tim Walco is uh, one of my favorite comedians and one of my favorite human beings. He'll be at the Half Day Brewery tomorrow night with Laura Hug and Jimmy, Jimmy McHugh. That's Half Day Brewery in Lincolnshire. The yes. show's at 730. And I can I'm sure there'll be uh, tickets available. Is there a Online, online at the online. website. I think it's uh, half, halfdaybrew.com, I believe it is. Halfdaybrew? Oh, yeah, halfdaybrew. Yeah, halfdaybrew. All right. Halfdaybrew. It's a German thing. Halfdaybrew. Uh, but speaking of, of traveling in the South and, and Confederate areas, uh, you know, the whole idea that during Trump's administration, we actually had a president say there were good people on both sides when we had Nazis marching uh, in in, in protest of taking down a Confederate s- the, the statue. The Jews won't right. replace us. Is that a right. good that guy? Was, Are yeah. those the good people? Yeah, exactly. Really? Uh, tell me where the good people and And then, you know, they're, they, Republicans keep saying, well, it was Democrats that owned slaves. They were like, okay, then fine. Take all the Democrats so, so the statues down. Take down, yeah, take all, down the, all your... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Take them all down. I have no... I have no attachment to any of those Democrats. The Democratic Party, when, when I was younger, was the Dixiecrat Party. Right. And the Republican Party was the, the... If it wasn't for the Republican Party in 1965, the Civil Rights Bill would never have been passed. Yeah. And, you know, it's not this way today. Well, this is what's so hard for a lot of Republicans that I know, and I'm friends with, with several, that uh, with many, that, uh, like my friend Scott Stantis. Feels yeah, like he's, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's and a man. He's, they have their opinions. They're conservatives. Right. But they're not crazy people. They just believe in a smaller government, a business-oriented thing. I think they have a lot of issues that we we really don't dis- disagree on but we have a lot we can agree with and when you when the the world used to think let's get it together you right. have your side and my side not ruin the congress and impeach a guy for no reasons it's insane now oh my god the republican party has been taken over by extremists if we had leftist extremists bomb throwing lunatic communists we'd throw them out or we would leave too that's what well, i'm saying we would leave too exactly we leave three or four that's what i was <laughs> 
All of us would leave. That's what I was mentioning earlier with uh, with Madam Clerk uh, Iris Martinez is that you know we have we have a far left faction that that and it's the rigidity on both sides, yes. right? It's the inability to Jimmy say, Dore for three hundred. Oh my God! Yeah, what the hell happened to that guy? Hit his head. Oh my! Yeah. Never was the brightest kid in the group. I have to agree with you on that. And he's a good comic. And though. he came out of Chicago, folks. That's I know. Why he's got his own. He's so far left. He's right. Yeah. And not correct. I mean, right. Yeah, it happened. I like, can't vote for them. They're contrarians. I had a friend of mine who was a contrarian. He couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. He couldn't. She's a war criminal. I go, well, it's going to be trouble with that the Supreme Court, not realizing that when you vote, you're voting for the Supreme Court. It's one of the biggest things. Well, he couldn't do that. Well, he didn't get a shot in. I got to be honest with you. He's not with us now. Oh, yikes. Well, that's yeah. a contrarian. That's a contrarian. Bill Maher's a contrarian. Yes. Contrarian. As yeah. well. Can be wonderful and can be a complete idiot. I agree with that, too. Yeah. Oh, so annoying, too. Annoyingly so. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I, I really don't. And the, the non-negotiate, the people who won't negotiate or have any any wiggle room whatsoever, like you said, I get there's flaws. We're never going to have a perfect politician. And Democrats work too hard at needing someone they fall in love with. And Republicans fall in line. Right. That's what it is. They, they have a good message, and it's much simpler. It's hatred and uh, yelling and screaming. We're too complicated. We're too nice. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see a really great thing happen? John Stewart is going back on the Daily I saw Show. That. that is, you know, if he were if he were on in twenty sixteen, Trump wouldn't have won. That's my opinion. Well, he's that strong of a force. He's really against the corporate taxes now and bringing it to the forefront. How ridiculous! You pay a lot for things in places. It's the corporate people. It's it's not the average guy. I do. Do you feel at all bad for all the comedians that thought they had a shot at it until John Stewart said, "You know what?" I sure do. I sure do. He's (laughs) the executive producer too. Oh my god! I mean, because yeah, folks, if you don't know, John Stewart's coming back to the Daily Show. I think he's going to. I don't know if he's going to daily host or weekly host. I don't know, but whatever it is, it's great. He's wonderful. This year, he says so far. Mondays. Uh, Mondays. There you go. So like, you. like Rachel Maddow. He's coming back like Rachel Maddow. Yeah, they have things to do. Books right. to write and her books are off the charts. Yeah. 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 I, so I'm so happy about that because that's some stability. And he's so and he did so much for the 9-11 survivors. Oh, he did. He, and for he, veterans. He went to Congress yeah. and he got the laws changed. Yeah. That's that's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, so, I, But I do feel bad Rod for the Stewart, comics. Rod Stewart, I'm not that crazy about lately. <laughs> Who? Rod Stewart. Is he gone crazy like uh, no, no, Eric Clapton and uh, no, no, Van Eric, Morrison? Eric is, okay. m- musicians are like shortstops. Okay. They have great talent, but they're not so bright sometimes. <laughs> well, I would... Dolly Parton would be... It's the greatest the in the world. Exception. Yeah. She has, she's so kind, and sw- she teaches peace and love, and she's... I know friends that know her, and she's just the sweetest person. And boy, she does good things with her money. And so you know. brilliant that mind. Did, I heard that she wrote uh, Jolene and uh, I don't know if it was I will always love oh, you. I will always love in you. the same day. Oh my There's like two big songs that she wrote like uh, in the same day. She's incredible. She really is. And she had a deal with Porter Wagner when she was younger. That's even more. She's getting an award. He was her mentor, who was a, an older country singer. who was very big. His IQ of a pencil. And the, anyway, she had to deal with that. But she is so good and so cool. So I'm really happy for her, yeah, for she, everybody that she's here. She has great things, whether it's the literacy program that she has or, I mean, the money that she put into her vaccine research. It's crazy. <laughs> she's great. Yeah, I, I'm excited. What, what else? Um, when you when you go down to Florida, because uh, it is different when we go to other. I mean, you just notice right yeah. away. You notice right away that they know uh, when you're pumping gas, you ain't from down yes. there. It's like, I don't you, even, I've got a rental car with floral plates. How are you? You from here? Are you a young man? Well, I'm not a young man anymore. <laughs> but uh, no, it's what it is. Do you ever find yourself using an accent uh, based on the, like the people around you? I can do it, but I try not to. Yeah, 
I, I, I sometimes accidentally slip into it. I actually do it more in a Chicago sense. My husband noticed that when we first started dating, we were looking at apartments, and uh, they had really beautiful detailing in the apartment. The guy had, was flipping it, basically. And I said, uh, so Jews uh, do the work yourselves? And Steve goes, what was that? You can say, those are nice curtains. Those are nice curtains those, there. Those, those, so, those are nice. The three is. Did you get those uh, over by there? Is over that, by there, over by the jewels. <laughs> I love it. My friend would go, I'm going to go buy jewels. You're going to buy jewelry for me? No, I'm going to the grocery store. I miss. I do miss the Dominic's, though, even though it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's I, not the same. There was a yeah, Happy Foods in my neighborhood. Oh. It's, thank God they're a block from me. I have a grocery store. I don't know how people live farther than the grocery store than that, because we always have one thing to get. Yeah. And they send me for that address when I come back with the wrong type of soup. Oh, no. Don't do that. No. Well, I'm a little bit sad that the, the sister store closed I know, in Edison Park. Yeah, that was. I used to work there as a cashier at the... Did you really? In 1986. I used, wow. <laughs> wow. We, got, we got paid there. I got paid five bucks an hour. Let's just say cash, maybe under the table. Could happen. Not for nothing. It could happen, maybe not, but yes. <laughs> I had a guy after my show. I did that show in Peru, Illinois. Have you done that? And it's gotten much better. The bowling, the bowling alley, but it has a beautiful stage now. No, wait. <laughs> okay. They improved it. Because they used to put us there on like disco bowling nights. It'd be like dark. No, it's, it's the new owners are really, really okay. good. And it's an older crowd now. And they separated the tables. They're not those long tables. Yeah. And I met the guy from Chicago. He went to Taft. His wife went to um, oh. Mother, um, Mother McGarren. Good kennel. Good counsel. Good counsel. Sorry. You and I know for that this for a long time. She, she was, so I said to him, he was so cool. Chicago accent guy. He goes, he's a great guy. He says, hey, I had a great show. I go, so where'd you work? He said, I was a city worker for, you know, 42 years. I retired. I said, what'd you do for the city? He goes, nothing. Nothing. Unbelievable answer. <laughs> nothing. And he's got a great pension. Who's, uh, is the guy that uh, sometimes uh, goes on WIND still booking that? Who's booking? It's not Ken booking that, is it? No, it's uh, uh, Harry Hickstein. Oh, Harry, how's he been, doing? He's doing better. He's getting better. He had a broke his leg in three places. Yeah, and he's in rehab for a few months. Okay, so he's doing great. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. we uh, that's the thing about comedy is we don't really we don't have like a 501k, folks. Not a big a lot of health care going not, on. Not there. a lot of health care. Uh, we get paid in booze a lot of times. We used to. <laughs> we used hey, you to. were great in the movie, by the way. Oh, the Road Dog. It was so good. You were so good. Thank you. I, uh, it was, uh, it was, was fun. You're a great actor too. Whenever I see you on the screen, something. Yeah, uh, she was. You did a couple of reality shows. You did uh, yeah. Mystery Town X or something. Was Murder in Small Town X, the only reality show that didn't make it because <laughs> I was on it. It was good. You I was. I played the mayor was of so the good. town. Yeah. It was. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm so I did that. But you, you were great. That's a great film. Those guys did a great it's, job. It was so accurate. How how accurate would you say that scene of uh, Doug Stanhope having to perform at a church? It was you know, unbelievable. So on the nose. It, it was so out there. And then when he took the cross, <laughs> he left with the cross. <laughs> but you know, you got to have a souvenir. He didn't get paid. Yeah. And I uh, know that was, but it, yeah, it was wonderful. It was, it was. And then the long, lonely car going through Indiana yeah. to the gig. How long? How many times you been uh, on fifty-five or ninety? And it's forty-eight miles to the gig. That's the gig that where the microphone doesn't work. Yep. And the guy doesn't have a second mic. No. Because I have a guitar. I have to bring stuff with me to plug in. Because I end up with the guitar. And I say, you have a second mic? No. What do you think is going to happen? This one goes out. One guy goes, I never thought about that. You never thought about that. You have a, you have a building here. You have a business. You have a license. Yeah. I know. The places I've done, uh, you know, just starting a show in the middle of a, someone's dinner is the weirdest thing. Or on a dance floor in Minot, North Dakota. Or, oh, yeah, it's just, how about Ozark, Arkansas? Uh, oh, yes. Ozark, Arkansas. The, the people are like, I mean, stages are too high. It's not good for comedy. No. So their feet are right yeah. where you are. Yeah, and I had yeah. a lady in Ozark. And I was like, the whole show just looked at me and goes, you're sayek. 
you know, then there's a sayyuk. Sayyuk. Real quiet, so no one else could hear. So I couldn't say anything. Right. People don't know how, how much that disrupts uh, my, just the Timing. mental. Yeah. And your mental, that part of your brain goes, this part is not working. I, I got to go on autopilot. I just have to keep talking, regardless of what the rest of the crowd's doing. <laughs> I'm to. like, I got to talk over this You know, I learned, I learned something from Steve Garvey, the great baseball player. And I said to him, I saw him once, and someone said a horrible thing to him. I was used to pay five bucks to get a seat in the first row, and no one went to Cub games. And Garvey's on deck, and this guy came down and said something really awful. His wife had left him for Marvin Hamlish, and, which is funny. Athletes of that guy, and the guy ran down. Garvey, your wife, yeah. players, and, he, and I said, you can't say that here. I don't care what you, you know. And I met Steve Garvey at a show. I said, what's it like? He said, Tim, I'm I'm looking at Goose Gossage Stone '98. I'm trying to live here. I don't hear anything. You have to have little ears, and that's what I tell comedians. Yeah. If the audience doesn't hear it, they don't know how much that person's annoying you. You have to go to the other side of the stage, or you have to address it if you want to. But they're not going to be on your side because they think you're the bad guy. I and it's especially when you don't have a big crowd. Like I had a small room that was packed, but it was still like 50 people in the small room. And there's a woman toward the front yelling at every single like in agreement. I've had that too. But the rhythm is gone. No, and it's I, gone completely. And I, and I go, uh, you know, she had food on the table. I'm like, why don't you eat something? <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad because I'm like, that doesn't sound great. No, that sounds like, eat this, baby. <laughs> Tim Walco is performing oh, tomorrow thanks. night with Laura Hug and Jimmy McHugh at Half Day Brew. That's in Lincolnshire. Show starts at 730. And uh, t- Tim's going to be traveling, but we'll be back in, su- in the studio soon, I hope. I yes. hope so. I will. Yeah, come on. Just message me. I live down the street. I know. Come and play. <laughs> okay. Come hang out with us. Thank you. we got a long uh, election season ahead of us, so we need some good laughs and some commentary as well. So we'd love to have you back. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. It's Tim Walco. Thank you, uh, everybody, for hanging out with us. Thank you, Andy Miles for keeping the show running. Mike Crute's up next with Devil's Advocates, followed by Matt McNeil. And uh, we'll have a great show again tomorrow. I can't remember who's on. I, gotta, I should probably should remember. The, oh, Senator Dick Atowski will be co-hosting with me tomorrow. So yay. Bye, everyone.